0: Today is the day that our God has given us as a gift to live, to enjoy, and to celebrate. Let's go to our Lord in prayer and thank him. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for our lives. Thank you for this place. Thank you for the opportunity to join together. Thank you for this season that we live in and for the the grace and the joy that we are able to celebrate as we live into this time of our lives. Be with us as we come into your house today. Remind us that where two or more are gathered there, you will be also. We pray, O God, that you will join us as we come to lift our best to you. Help us to know you well today, O Lord, and help us to please you with what we offer. For it is in your name we offer our prayer. Amen.
1: Let's pray together, shall we? O God, in whom we live and move and have our being, indeed, how great thou art. You have made us for yourself, so that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And so come, Lord, come in the clutter of our everyday lives and bring order out of the chaos Come, Lord, into our weakness with your divine strength and sustain us with your mighty hand. Come, Lord, into our sin with your purity and your holiness and and cleanse us and make us whole. We need you, Lord. So give us your grace even now in this very hour to receive you to open the doors of our beings and invite you into all the nooks and all the crannies of our lives. Come to dwell in us, Lord, that we may shine with the light of your presence and our hearts will beat with the power of your spirit within us. We pray that you would let the peace that stilled the hearts of your people in all ages and all places still our hearts as well today. Let the courage, let the imagination that possess them possess us as well in order that we may devote ourselves with a renewed vision and a renewed purpose to doing your will and glorifying your name in all that we do and all that we say. Give us, Lord, a sense for the way that you are at work in our lives and in this world, shaping us and shaping this world toward fulfilling your will We pray, Lord, that you would let Christ be in us today, making steady those who have lost their way, encouraging those who have forgotten their way, and inspiring all of us to love and to hope and to sacrifice. Oh, God, it's my prayer that you would so fill this church with your spirit that we may experience oneness and unity of purpose Fill this, Lord, with your spirit that we may become an offering to you upon the altar of this, your world. Fill this church, Lord, with your spirit so that the sweet aroma of Christ will emanate from us and so point others to you and to your kingdom. Please, Lord, receive our worship of you and receive this prayer for we offer it in the name of the one who you call your son, And we call our Savior Jesus, who taught us to pray this prayer Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation,
0: week before last actually it was it was more like a couple of weeks ago now one of the finest men that i ever knew went to to heaven he was from my hometown and was a truly fine individual individual that had tremendous influence on me pat baker was the sheriff of gordon county georgia for 16 years he had a very successful career in law enforcement pat was just shy of 90 years old when he died it was one of the true privileges of my life to get to work for Sheriff Baker. We had Our families had been friends since I was just a little boy, and it was amazing at the, at the lessons that I learned from him over the years. Pat was one of the most deeply committed Christians that I ever met, one of the most Christian people that you would ever want to know. He took his faith wherever he went. He took it to work with him every time that he went into the office. He wasn't always trying, to evangelize people, but as much as anybody I ever met, Pat based his decisions on what he believed. Pat wasn't a Sunday morning Christian, and he wasn't a consumer kind of Christian. Pat guided his life at home and at work by what he believed. Pat was elected sheriff right on the heels of the civil rights movement, and when he took office, he hired the first African-American deputies to serve in law enforcement north of Atlanta in the state of Georgia. That wasn't a popular thing to do at that time in Georgia, but Pat not only knew it was right, but he would regularly say this is long overdue, and so he did it even though he knew it was going to cost him with some people. One night back in the 1970s, two of our deputies went to serve a warrant on a man for an assault. When they got there, they knocked on the door and they announced themselves. When they did, the man shot through the door at the deputies. Fortunately, he missed both of them, but when he shot, one of the deputies kicked the door and started returning fire. The other deputy, who was one of the most popular deputies in our department, he left his partner, he started running across the yard, he ran to their patrol car, and he took cover behind it. The next morning, that story was the talk of our entire department, and, and everybody was shocked by what Deputy Roberts had done. He didn't even radio for help, he just went and cowered behind their car. About halfway through my shift, I was standing talking to the sheriff about what had happened, and and I made the comment. I said, I guess Dave just changed in that minute. Sheriff Baker was standing right beside me. He was every bit as tall as Mike, which just isn't fair in life, but it's still a fact. And he turned around and he kind of looked down at me and he had a kind of a smile that he would give when he was getting ready to teach you a lesson that you needed to remember. He looked down at me and he said, Tommy, you're young, so I'm going to tell you something that you need to always remember. Situations don't form a person's character. They just reveal what's always been there. It does take a little age and a little experience to realize how true that life lesson was. I'm dealing with something right now that reminds me of how important this lesson is. 50 years after Pat told me that, it's still painful. It's still disappointing when you discover something about a person's character that you didn't know was there, that you never hoped would be there. But that That was the lesson that Pat was trying to teach me when I was 19 years old and it still holds true until this very day. We humans don't decide what kind of person that we're going to be from one situation to the next because that's just not how life works. Character isn't formed by situations. Character is formed by our core values, and our core values are almost always formed by what we believe. And that's where Joshua comes into this story. I don't know how many of you know who Joshua is. If you didn't grow up in church like most of us did, just in case you didn't, Joshua was the man who became the leader of Israel after Moses died. Moses led the Hebrews out of slavery and he took them to the promised land but when they got there, the character of the older generation turned out to not be as strong as what he had hoped it would be. And so, God had them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until a new generation could be cultivated who had the faith and the commitment to claim the promise that God had made to his people. Now the people have reached the promised land, and God told Moses that he was going to see the promised land, but Joshua was going to lead the people into the promised land, In this passage of Scripture that we're looking at today, Joshua has led the people into the promised land, and now they're getting ready to settle down and start becoming a nation. But just as they're starting to settle into their new homeland, Joshua calls a meeting. He calls all of the leaders of all of the tribes of Israel to come to a place called Shechem, and when they got there, he basically preached a sermon to them about making choices, and this is what he said to them. Then Joshua summoned all of the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including their elders, leaders, judges, and officers, And so they came and presented themselves to God, and Joshua said to the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshiped other gods. But I gave you a land that you had not worked for, and I gave you towns that you did not build, the towns where you are now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone." But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods, of your, the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. What's Joshua trying to say in this passage of Scripture? Well, Joshua was trying to say that if you want to be the kind of people that God can truly be proud of, if you want to have a set of values that'll stand the test of time, and if you want to make the kinds of choices that'll give you peace of mind and and that'll build a positive future for you're not only yourself but for those around you, then you're going to have to start by choosing the right God back maybe a month or so ago, somebody came to me and they asked me a question that I was almost never asked 45 years ago when I started in the ministry. They said, why do some Christians think that Christianity is the way, the truth, and the life instead of a way, a truth, and a life? It actually bothers me that some ministers stumble over that one because this just isn't a hard question to me. There are two things that make the Christian faith absolutely unique among all of the faiths in the world, and are the things that we need to focus on in times like this. Number one, Christianity is the only religion in the world that isn't based on some kind of a law code, some kind of a merit system. In other faiths, there's always a merit system where you have to earn your way to whatever their vision of heaven happens to be. But Christianity does not have a merit system. In Christianity, salvation is based on God's unconditional love and mercy. It's based on God's God's grace. God's love and grace are free gifts in our faith, and our salvation comes through believing in those gifts and accepting those gifts into our lives. I was doing a children's sermon back many years ago, and and I was talking to the kids, and and we were bantering back and forth. Finally, I got to the question I wanted to ask. I said, boys and girls, what is God's love? And when I did, this little boy looked up at me, and he said, it's the biggest birthday present ever. I had some notes in my hand, and I'll go to them, and I thought, that's better than anything I've got. We're going to run with that. God's love is the biggest birthday present ever. You don't have to earn it, and and you don't have to be good enough for it to be given to you. It's a free gift, and it comes to us just because we're God's children. If you want to be part of God's family, all you have to do is accept that gift and then live into that gift. The first thing that makes Christianity unique is that salvation is a free gift. The second thing that makes it unique is that the Christianity Christian faith is the only faith in history where God actually came down to earth in the form of a human being to show us exactly what God was like. The mystery of what God's personality was like was removed because Jesus came to show us. He came to show us the personality of God in the flesh, to show us a living picture of what the unconditional love of God looks like, to show us what pure forgiveness actually looks like, to to show us what a good life is supposed to be and how we're supposed to live it, to show us how to make good choices in life. When Jesus was hanging on the cross after people had become so evil that they, they wanted to simply dispose of God's Son, Jesus looked down from that cross at the people who had just driven nails in him and at the people who had screamed for his death, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He could have destroyed those people. He could have destroyed all of the earth. But what he wanted us to see was our evil can't destroy God's love for his children. Those two points are what make Christianity different from all of the other faiths in the world It isn't a law code, and God came in human form so we could see what God was really like and so we could see how to follow him. Why is that important? It's important because if you want to have a simpler and easier life, choose the right God. Choose the right God which is just another way of saying, don't try to make yourself into God and, and don't try to earn your way to God. Your decisions are not going to be that pure. Your decisions are not going to be that great. Your situations can, can change the way you see things. And if you don't have the right foundations, it's easy to make the wrong choices in those situations. If you want to have an easier life, start with the right foundation. Joshua said, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you and I are the only things that we have to put our faith in, then we're going to be up a creek because nobody is that smart, nobody is that good, nobody is that perfect. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. What King Solomon is trying to tell us in these two verses is don't try to turn yourself into God. God. Choose the right God. How do we do that? You do that the same way that Joshua did it. You start with prayer. Joshua 24, 1 says, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including the elders, leaders, judges, and officers. And so they came, and they presented themselves to God. What does that mean? Well, the word that's used here for presented is a Hebrew word that means to gather for prayer. But it wasn't the kind of prayer where we bring our laundry list of wants and wishes to God, and then we step back and wait for him to give them all to us. The kind of prayer, that Joshua was leading here is what the Hebrews called the prayers of thankful offering. These these people were thankful for the blessings that God had already given them. And now Joshua is calling to these people to trust God for the future. And the reason he's doing that is because a huge part of the thankful offering was trust. It's easy to lose trust when you're nervous and and fearful about things. It's easy to lose trust when you don't quite understand or know what what something is is being said when it doesn't sound quite like what you would have hoped it would have sounded. It's easy to lose trust when you're you're having to face the changes and the difficulties of life and and you're not at all sure that what you're seeing and what you're hearing is is what you ought to be seeing and what you ought to be hearing, and, and you don't know for sure what all of it's going to mean, and so you start to get very concerned and, and anxious. It's easy to become self-focused instead of being mission-focused when you start to get nervous in life, and and that's true in church life, and it's true in our personal lives. But That isn't just true when things are becoming uneasy and uncomfortable in life, it's also true When things are going very well in life, it's easy to lose trust when everything is going great and when we think we've got the bull by the horns. All is good, and when all is good, it's easy for us to forget to pray, to forget to focus on God, to forget to focus on his will for the future. Joshua called the Hebrew leaders together because he not only wanted the Hebrews to offer themselves to God and to act in gratitude, for what had already happened in their lives, but he also wanted them to pick the right God for the future, for the days that were ahead of them. He wanted them to trust God for tomorrow and to stay committed to God for tomorrow. He didn't just want them looking at what had happened in the past. He wanted them to look at what was out in front of them. The promised land had been a foreign land, and the people who lived there had worshiped idols. The idols were all around the Hebrew people, and idols are tempting. The people could see those idols clearly, and and they liked some of the situational values that those idols brought. They were fertility gods, and and they were harvest idols, and, and there were golden calves that represented wealth and prosperity. In other words, those people in that day were tempted by exactly the same things that we're tempted by today. People like their idols, and we all have our idols. If you don't believe that, just ask yourself a very simple question. What comes first in your life? Is it money? Is it time? Is it work? Is it family? Is it sports? Is it sex? Is it just name it, whatever it is. But if we're honest with ourselves, my guess is that not many of us could honestly say that God comes first in our lives. Is God the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning? Is he the last thing you think of? When you go to bed at night, do you base your decisions on him? It's it's easy for us to think we're putting God in first place until we actually line up our priorities. Most of the Hebrew people were just like us. They had benefited from God's blessings, but now they were being tempted to pick the wrong gods. It's all about me instead of being about God and God's will. Those people had been slaves, and they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now they're in the promised land, and it's starting to get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, it's easy to start picking the wrong priorities. It's easy to lose sight of the truth. And Joshua knew that was a prescription for death, and it still is until this day. Some of the things that we are doing right now in our church are making people uncomfortable. Some of them, folks, are even making me uncomfortable. Some of the ideas that we have for the future, we don't know whether they're perfect or not. We don't know whether they're going to be the best ideas or not. We're doing the same thing that the Apostle Paul did. We're seeing through a glass dimly, and we're trying to set a direction that we believe will take us to the future. One of the ideas that we have put out here, I have thought was the wrong thing to do all along, and I'm convinced of it. Of that. I'm going to be taking that to the ministry team and we're going to be rethinking some of that. Then we'll bring it to the church because we've tried to hear what the church has said. However, the surest prescription for the death of the church. The surest prescription for death that we could prescribe for ourselves right now is to do nothing in the face of the future. The church of the past is being rejected by people ages 39 and, and younger in record numbers. We're not a Southern Baptist church. The Southern Baptist Convention met a couple of weeks ago. They made more decisions that were terrible decisions, but what they should have been noticing was they lost a half million members last year. That has never happened in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention, but they lost a half million members last year, almost all of them under the age of 39. We have to make some important changes. We have made a lot of them since last fall, and we're growing again. We've baptized more people in the last few months than we had baptized in the last two years. Yes, some of the things we are doing are making us uncomfortable, and they're certainly making me uncomfortable because I have to deal with the struggles that come with those things. I have to deal with the worries of the church. I have to deal with with the uncertainty of knowing whether we're making the right choices or not. But we're not called to be comfortable. That's not what the church is about. In the history of the Christian faith, every single time that the church has become comfortable and steady, it has declined I don't want us to become a comfortable and steady church. I want the world to see our church as a bold and risk-taking church. Not every church can honestly say that everybody that comes through our door is welcomed and loved and and brought into the fold, but we can say that. Not every church can honestly say that they're willing to make the hard choices to try to reach the people who are walking away from others. Other churches. But we can say that. Why? Because we're trying to choose the right God. We're trying to honestly ask ourselves, what does God want for the future in Blacksburg, Virginia? God wants his church to affirm women as 100% equals in the kingdom of God. If some teacher got up in a classroom and, and she told a young woman that she could not be the president of a company or the president of the United States or the head coach of some sports team because she was a woman, we'd be up in arms about that. We demand that something be done about that. But people have left our church and they've gone to other other churches because we tell their daughters that they can be equals and that they can lead a church and that they can serve Jesus just like anybody else. I've had people tell me, well, what difference should that make whether they do that or not? And here's what difference it should make. That was a deal breaker for Jesus. So it needs to be a deal breaker for us. It has to be a deal-breaker for the church because it was a deal-breaker for Jesus. Some people have left our church and gone to other churches churches that tell people that others are not welcome because they're not exactly like everybody else in the church. But our church has made those people welcome. Why? Because that was a deal breaker for Jesus. He welcomed everybody and he loved them unconditionally. I want Church on Main to be the church that sets the tone that Jesus would set because it's not about us. It's about him. It's about what he would do. Are we going to be followers of Jesus or are we going to follow the road that leads to whatever is comfortable and feels best to us? Are we going to choose the God that led his people to pay a price for the promised land or are we going to choose the idols of comfort and convenience and status quo? I've had people go to other churches because they offered a worship service at the time they wanted it instead of at the time we offered it. Jesus wouldn't do that, period. I've spent 26 years trying to convince this church that the Christian faith reshaped the world because it was positively different from the rest of the world. We're we're getting to the edge of the promised land. Who are we going to be next? Young, old, boy, girl, man, woman, gay, straight. We can be anything that God calls us to be if we will choose this day whom we will serve. But as for me... I'll serve the Lord. I'm begging you today, folks, choose Jesus. I chose Jesus in 1973, and I have never had a day when I was sorry for that choice. I've never had a day when I would have done it differently. Choose Jesus. He will change your life. It may not make you comfortable, (laughs) but he will change your life and help you to count, choose Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the blessings of every hour that we are given on this earth. I thank you for the promises that you have made that you have kept so often. I thank you for the love that we share as a people of God. I thank you for the hope that we get to be part of as your people. I thank you, Lord, that there are people in this world who need to know about you and we have the opportunity to try to share that. I thank you, Lord, that whenever we decide to choose you, it changes us from the inside out and it helps us to become more and better. It helps us to make the right choices. Help us, Lord Jesus, to choose you today. To walk in your footsteps, to try to be the kind of people that you would have us be. Help those of us who have come here and, and we've known that there were things missing in our lives and we just didn't know what it was. Help us to know today that you're what's missing. Help us to be willing to come to you and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I know that I need you, I know that you're what's missing, and I believe that you can help me to become what you would have me be and to become better at everything I do. Come, Lord Jesus, and live in my life and make me the person you would have me be. Help us, Lord, to choose you today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen you've come to this place today and you've decided that you want to give your life to jesus christ we'll be here at the close of the service and we'll be glad to talk to you about baptism and what next steps will be we had people come this morning wanting to be baptized we hope that you will make those same choices if you want to join our church and be on mission with us come and let us know that and we'll be happy to help you with that When we leave this church, let's go into the church as the people who have chosen to follow Jesus, and let's do the best we can to make sure that we're serving the right God and making the right difference. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, everyone.